from the Philippines to Ethiopia to Holland. Our daughter church in Edmonton, Alberta, outside of Edmonton, the well at Wild Rose Country. Our friends in the Midwest who've been so generous, sending incredible gifts to keep the boat afloat, keep us moving. And Lord, we give you thanks for songs, songs Kim has been singing, Lord, and uh, the Christmas songs we've been singing for centuries. Lord, be with us as we dive deep together into, into your word and the stories that brought these songs forward. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Thank you, Kim. This felt like a campfire, a Bible camp or something. We're outside. We've got the heaters working as opposed to last week, so that's nice. And I just want to greet everyone watching. I'm Dave Householder, blessed to be your Bible teacher. And we are going to be getting into the Word of God and also getting into the story behind the story. Now, I'm old enough to remember Paul Harvey on the radio. And he had a show called The Rest of the Story. He'd talk about something, and then he'd tell the background. And it was so important to me. It was formative for me because that's how I feel about the Bible. I think it's so important when we get into the Word to, for instance, if we're reading Isaiah like we did yesterday, who was thinking what when it was written, and what was their intention, and what was the Spirit of God doing in their lives at that moment, and what was bringing forth that part of the Bible. Because everything in the Bible was written by somebody solving a problem. There was something going on. Uh, there was persecution. There was something challenging that they were facing. And then they overcame it and wrote about it. They overcame it with faith. Nobody just sat down and said, I'm going to read just a, I'm just going to write a chapter of the Bible today because I just feel like it. They didn't do that. They were responding to something. When Paul wrote his letters, he was responding to problems in the congregations. And we're going to find today that our beloved Christmas songs didn't just happen when someone sat down and said, I'm going to write a Christmas song. No, Christmas songs came out of a really challenging chapter usually in someone's life, and they responded with faith. King David did that in the Psalms. King David had a rough life. If you want to be in leadership, Read the stories of David and think twice before you get into leadership because he had people revolting against him all the time. And he was always dealing with difficulty. His favorite son, Absalom, basically kicked him out of the kingship and uh, chased him into the, into the woods and wanted to get rid of his own dad. I mean, King Saul was coming after him with a pointy spear. When, when David talks about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he wasn't just talking poetically. He was being chased by people with pointy spears who wanted to put those pointy spears through him. And so the, it's good to know the story behind this. And I was inspired to do this because of Jen Dietz. And Jen Dietz is sitting right over here. And I, she did a concert once, and she gave some background of some of the Christmas songs she was talking about. And I just thought, let's do that at the well. Let's look at these songs and find out what kind of faith story is behind these stories. So the Advent series is What's Next for Me. This is the fourth Sunday of Advent. If you've got an Advent wreath at home, you're lighting the fourth candle. And our friends at the at the well at Wild Rose Country have been doing that on the videos for us. It's been really kind of cool. And today we're going to talk about the rest of the story. Carol's week one, we talked about faith does not equal denial. It's biblical to have a lament, to be real about what's going on. 
who thinks this year has got some cause for lament from time to time? We just see some stuff that's just goofy. There's nothing wrong with lamenting as long as we face it with faith, as long as we don't face it with despair. Week two, the silver lining. We talked about how even though there's bad news in the world, the good news has been continually overcoming the bad news for centuries. Week three, last week, we talked about debunking end times myths. Why do we talk about the end times during Advent? Because Advent is the time when we look forward to the return of Christ. And once again, we want to focus on what the Bible actually says about the end times and not what people have added to it. So today, we're going to be talking about the stories behind uh, the stories of the Bible. Uh, excuse me, stories behind the Christmas carols, seeking inspiration for 2021. We've got a couple of planets coming together, making this really cool star. We can't really see that very well in Orange County, but I can't help but think that people of faith can see that as a sign that the Lord is giving us a light at the end of the tunnel. And as you sing the Christmas carols this year, I hope you will sing them a little bit more intentionally, paying attention to the words and what's going on. And in that way, lighting a candle of hope for yourself. Now, I like to surf, and I haven't surfed much. I started surfing again uh, a little while back, but there were a lot of sharks for a while, and I'm kind of chicken of sharks, and so I was uh, avoiding it. But what I like about this next week is the longest night of the year is this next week. Summer's on the way. Starting starting next week, the days are getting longer, and uh, pretty soon we'll be able to surf earlier and all that kind of stuff. And I always look forward to that. And as the days get longer, and we've got the sort of songs of Christmas in our minds, I want us to think about the new star that's showing up in the next few days and uh, generate some hope for the coming year. We're going to start with Ephesians. Chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, which has to do with music. And music is a very spiritual, spiritual thing. The Psalms were written with music, not just words. And that kind of bums me out because we don't have the music from the Psalms. I would love to hear what they sounded like, what the 23rd Psalm sounded like, what the tune was. It'll say, to the tune of such and such at the top, but we don't know what that tune is. So we have no idea. It wasn't until a 1,000 years ago when Hildegard von Bingen, who was a uh, spirit-filled woman in Germany, so spirit-filled, so smart, she drove everybody crazy, literally. Uh, they, they kept trying to get rid of her, and she just kept doing cool stuff. But uh, Hildegard von Bingen invented musical notes as we know them so that you could record what tunes are like. And I would love to hear the tunes from way back when. But Ephesians 5, 18 through 19 says, Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead." Be filled with whom? The Holy Spirit, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. There's three things he mentions here in verse 19. He mentions singing psalms, one, hymns, two, and spiritual songs. Here's what those three things meant at the time. Singing psalms means singing the psalms from the Bible. Now, in Holland, where my wife is from, Strict Protestants from Holland, they only sing from the Psalms. They don't sing songs that people wrote after the Bible. And so when they have a praise set like what Kim was leading just now, they sing Psalms. And the Dutch people have added tunes to the Psalms. And most 
regular churchgoers in Holland after a few decades have memorized many of the Psalms, just like you've memorized songs just by hearing them over and over. We memorize things and we start to know these things. And Dutch Christians can actually sign letters like Psalm 42 at the bottom of their, the bottom of uh, under their name and the person getting it will know what they're talking about. So the Psalms are to be sung and when you sing the Psalms back then, they still know what the tunes were back in the days of Ephesians. And hymns are songs that people write. They're not in the Bible. So a hymn like Mighty Fortress or whatever, uh, um, Now Thank We All Our God, or any of those kind of hymns that we grow up with, those are hymns that people write that aren't in the Bible. So Psalms are songs that are in the Bible. Hymns are songs that people write. And then there's, in the Greek, spirit singing. Spirit singing is spontaneous singing, which can be in English or in tongues, and people just make it up as they go. I grew up in a Lutheran church, a very wonderful Lutheran church, and of warm, friendly people. But basically, prayers were things you read. They weren't things you just did. You didn't just make it up as you went. Because that would be weird. Because uh, we grew up, anybody else grew up in a church like that where you just read the out of a book? You know, you read those, that's what you read. And uh, to just pray out loud, I did that for the first time in Renton, Washington, in a small group that Wendy and I were in. And I still remember just my palms sweating because we were going around a circle. Let's just go around in a circle and just pray about what the Lord's doing. And it was like four to go, three to go, two to go. Ah! You know, it was coming down to me. And having been raised Lutheran, I didn't know how to do that. So it just I still remember my voice just cracking and just trying to do as best I could. But I was praying something that I hadn't written. I wasn't reading. And that's what spirit singing is. It's just singing. It, uh, it's just making stuff up as you go along. Most of our worship leaders here do that from time to time. They'll do prophetic singing, and they'll just start to sing in the spirit. They'll sing as the words come to them. And sometimes that can be... In, uh, singing in tongues also, sometimes in a normal language. So those are the three kinds of songs that Ephesians talks about. The same three are listed in Colossians, if you want to look that up sometime. And uh, we're going to look today at songs because the Bible commands us to make music in our hearts, to sing. And you don't have to be a great singer. I am not a great singer, and uh, I like to sing. and it's important that the Bible says one, there's one verse in the Bible that gives me great courage. Make a joyful what? Noise. I like that. It's just a, once I was singing so badly, somebody from a choir once said to me, if you can't sing the notes, at least sing notes that are friends of the notes that people are singing. And, and so just kind of do the best you can to kind of fit in. But it's important to sing. And one of my laments, I've got a little iPod. And this iPod is an old-school iPod from like 15, 20 years ago. I've got 12,000 songs on it, this little thing, and it's half full. I, I can't even imagine. But the sad thing about that is it's music that we just listen to, and the more we listen to electronic music, the less we tend to actually sing. When Wendy and I are in the desert, we were driving along once by the grapefruit fields and we stopped because we heard singing in the fields because the workers were singing in Spanish in the fields as they picked the grapefruits. And there was just something really cool about that. There was this sort of call and response singing as they were going through the fields. And when women used to get together to like 
cook and stuff in the village, they often would would sing. And there were hunting songs, and there were there were cooking songs, and there were songs that people would sing from time to time. And workers would would sing as they were building buildings. And we've kind of lost that. Everyone here but Daryl, Daryl back there, who's wearing a shirt like mine, has music playing in his head 24/7, and he will tell you that that's the case. When he's awake, he's uh, he's got music playing in his head. So he's sort of a walking iPod, and uh, just uh, he's got that whole kind of thing going. I do hate it when when certain songs get into my ears because they just stick all day. One of them is Feliz Navidad. If that gets into my head, it's that the whole day is gone. It'll just go and go and go. And the other one, I don't like going on the It's a Small World ride because if you go on that ride, the rest of the day is shot. That's That's what's on your playlist for the rest of the day. So it says, don't get drunk with wine, but enjoy a sort of intoxication that comes with singing. Raniero Cantalamessa, the guy who preached to the Pope, what a job. He was a spirit-filled Christian, wonderful guy, and he said, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a sober intoxication. It's a sort of intoxication, but you, your mind gets more clear, not less. And you have this sense of, who's felt that singing? or when there's music around you. There's just something that happens. Music can bring us places and do things to us, and it creates a sort of sober intoxication. We've got people like the the Eusebius here, and the Eusebius come out of a musical family, and they're drawn to that. And I wish I had that kind of talent, but I'm still drawn to it. I'm still drawn to to listening to music. Well, let's look at uh, a little bit of history Carols started in France, and the word carol is a French word, which means a circle dance. And people get in a circle, and they would dance, and someone in the middle would improvise, kind of like rap singing. And as soon as they ran out of words, they went back into the circle. Someone else went in the circle. They'd go around the circle, and they would just kind of do their thing. And it was done with peasants, and it was done mostly around this time of year. Why? Because in Northern Europe, there's no farming you can do as a peasant this time of year. It's too dark out. I mean, Europe is way the heck north. London, if you, if you take your globe, is straight across. is like Edmonton. I mean, it's Wendy and I have been in Rotterdam before. It's 9 o'clock. It's still pitch black outside in the morning. And so you can't go outside and work. There's, there's, no, there's no electric light back then. There was no way to, to work at night. And so people would come up with things to do during this season, during the Christmas season. They would come up with singing and dancing and games and things that they could do. And carols were like that. Some were Christian. Some were just plain old songs for fun. But it was a dancing kind of thing. And then in England, went from France to England. Well, let's stick with France for a second. My Everybody's got a favorite Christmas. Mine was in Belgium, the French-speaking part of Belgium. And Wendy and I were staying with her parents in a little hotel in the French-speaking part of Belgium, farmers out there. There's a little village, and the paint had all come off the buildings, and it was just old and, you know, just old European stuff. And we asked if there was a Christmas morning service, and sure enough, there was at this little Catholic church. So we went down there, and uh, the priest looked bored, like, oh, i got to work on a holiday, and you could just tell he wasn't really into it. And uh, he was kind of going through the liturgy, and a bunch of farmers were sitting there, and they had their coats on because it was cold out and had manure on their coats because they had just done their chores. And they'd come in to Christmas. It smelled bad, and they came in, a whole bunch of them. And they stopped the priest. I'm not sure what they said in French, but they basically says, uh, 
you obviously don't want to be here, so just let us sing. <laughs> so he sat down, and they started singing French carols. That was so cool. It was just like the, the Holy Spirit just filled the room, and it was just still to this day. <laughs> I always get emotional thinking about stuff like that. But anyways, it was, it was just beautiful. And that's the sort of French carol thing. The, the, the people who work the land knew these things, and they've been passed down for generations. And then England started to pick up on what they were doing in France. And the English, once again, the peasants around this time of year had nothing to do because it was dark outside. And so they decided that they would go singing at the homes of rich people for handouts. And that's where the idea of Christmas caroling came out. They, they started to go from house to house, and they'd hit up the rich people because they could get stuff. Think about it. If you've been Christmas caroling, what's the song you sing last? We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Now give us the figgy pudding. Now give us the figgy pudding. Now give us the figgy pudding and bring it right here. We won't go until you <laughs> They stay until they get... You know, until they bring out food or money or something. It's sort of trick or treat. Or else, you know, there's a couple verses of that song and, you know, we'll, we'll knock the butler over if you don't help us. You know, that, that kind of thing. So there's, there's all this. They would go around. They called it wassailing. And they would go around and they would sing Christmas songs. And uh, there's nothing else to do in the winter, folks. It's dark. You know, they go around and they would try to get some, some good dessert out of it. Robert over here loves dessert, by the way. And if you ever uh, have extra dessert, Robert would love to help you with that. So they they really enjoyed that. And that's our whole idea of Christmas caroling. It wasn't to go around to shut-ins and be nice to them. It was to get something from rich people. That was that was the whole idea of, of Christmas caroling. And then, so in the 1700s, remember this historically. You might want to write this down. The 1700s was the age of reason, the Enlightenment gave rise to the U.S. Constitution and the French Revolution. And uh, the old way of doing things kind of disappeared. And in the 1700s, everybody was interested in science and progress and all that stuff. And uh, basically, if you see a picture of men with wigs and knickers, you're in that era. That's just uh, that's George Washington, Jefferson kind of people. And then in the 1800s, people got sick of that. And it became the Romantic century, the era of Romanticism. And Romanticism took over, and that's going to bring us to our first hymn here in just a second. And in 1800s, the great Christmas hymns were written because that was the era of feeling, not science. They got sick of science in the 1700s. The 1800s, they had the era of Romanticism, you know, with Beethoven and Wagner and all this boom, 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 music and all that stuff. And this is when the really, truly great Christmas hymns were written. And then in America, the African-American tradition, starting in the early 1900s with jazz, started to create a whole new kind of Christmas song. What's the best-selling record of all time in America? White Christmas with Bing Crosby. And all of those Christmas songs, they're all jazzy, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, all those songs. And they all have the same four chords. And if you hear those four chords, it sounds Christmassy. And Mariah Carey played that to the hilt in her Christmas album. She just used those same four chords and sang those songs, and out they came. And uh, that's so sort of the history of how that worked. Let's look at, look at Hark the Herald Angels Sing. So first one we're going to look at, it's based on Luke chapter 2. 
with the angels showing up with the shepherds. It was written by Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley was the guy who started Methodism. This church right over here would not be here without Charles Wesley. In fact, if you go into the kitchen here, there's a sign that says cleanliness is next to godliness. John Wesley says that right underneath. So Wesley wrote this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It was uh, this, this beautiful song about Christmas. And George Whitfield, one of his friends, George Whitfield and John Wesley were the people who started the Great Awakening in America. The Great Awakening is what started revivalism in America. George Whitfield could preach to 30,000 people without a microphone. And he's, he's just an ama- he was the Billy Graham of the time with his own sound system in his head. And he was BFFs with Benjamin Franklin. He and Benjamin Franklin hung out like all the time. They just loved each other, kind of a bromance thing. And Franklin would measure, because he was a scientist from the 1700s, he would measure how far, literally measure how far his voice would carry in different blocks in Philadelphia, which was really kind of cool. So Wesley and Whitfield were the big revivalists. And uh, the Methodist hymns, this book here is chock full of Wesley hymns. Methodist hymns are very emotional, tend to be all about the heart. And if you ever read Uncle Tom's Cabin, which I just finished reading, which was the best-selling book of the 1800s period in the English-speaking world, it's a raw, (laughs) gritty book. I mean, just it's about slavery. And (laughs) Tom, who's the protagonist of the book, would always break out into Methodist songs and get whipped for it. Because the slave owners didn't want people singing Bible songs because the whole storyline of the Old Testament is freedom from slavery. So, Wesley and Whitfield wrote this, and they wrote the words, but they didn't write the tune. Very seldom do people who write the words write the tune, and when they do, it doesn't work out too well. In general, people are good at words or they're good at tunes, and they work together. You've seen that on rock songs, lyrics by so-and-so, music by so-and-so, because it's a different gift set. And so Wesley and Whitfield wrote the, the words, but the tunes were written by a converted Jew, of all things, a converted Jew. The smartest Jew in Europe of his day was a guy named Moses Mendelssohn. He was a mega brain box. And Moses Mendelssohn had a kid named Abraham Mendelssohn. And Abraham Mendelssohn was a typical PK, pastor's kid, who rebelled. And he decided to be an atheist. And so he says, I'm not going to be like my dad. And so he was very rebellious. He says, I'm going to raise my kid with no religion. So he raised his son, Felix, with no religion. Felix got saved and became a very committed Christian. So you have mega Jew, atheist, converted Christian in three generations, which is real interesting. So Felix Mendelssohn was the greatest composer of the Romantic era. And he wrote the tune for Hark the Herald Angels Sing and really brought out the color of the words in ways that nobody else could have done and the Wesleys couldn't have done. It was beautifully, beautifully done. And uh, and that's all I have to say about that. Um, anyways, it's a beautiful song. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing this together and just keep in mind 
the Wesleys, the Whitfields, the Romantic period, Felix Mendelssohn, Methodist songs, all that stuff. Let's all let's all stand and sing. The herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God in sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Faith in time, behold Him come. Offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead seen, held incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing. The born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Go ahead and have a seat. The second of our three songs today is Angels from the Realms of Glory, written by Scottish poet James Montgomery in 1816. Once again, the Romantic period, so there's uh, just a lot of like feeling and heart in these songs. And uh, he wrote this song, and he was also a Moravian. Who here has heard of the daily texts? Little, it's a little hymn, it's a little devotional, which is probably the most used one in the whole world. And the Moravian Church puts that out. It's a very warm, sort of uh, passionate kind of bunch. And they all tend to be very social justice oriented. Anti-slavery is a really big thing among the Moravians, um, all of that. And James Montgomery, who was Scottish, and he was a Moravian, he was an abolitionist, and he fought hard to stop the exploitation of young boys as chimney sweeps. If you saw Mary Poppins, you saw the little kids doing that work. And uh, was actually put in jail several times for speaking out against stuff that was going on. 
So he did a lot of jail time. He was a very committed Christian. And uh, James Montgomery wrote uh, the words to Angels from the Realms of Glory. And uh, just a real, real interesting, uh, interesting way this was, was put together. And once again, the music came later. And it has to do with something called meter. And with contemporary praise music, we don't really pay as much attention to meter. But when I started as a pastor, all we had was these hymn books. That's all we had, and an organist. So usually a crabby organist up there that you didn't really want. To, you could. It was always, always conflict between the organist and the rest of the church. And Wendy and I once uh, sang in a, a church choir where the organist would leave because he couldn't stand the pastor during the sermon and would go back into the choir room and drink and come back and finish the service. So that was just always interesting. He was a great organist, but he was just a character. Anyways, uh, we uh, look at this song here, and it has to do with meter. And if you write lyrics, words, with a certain meter, what I mean by meter is a certain number of syllables in each phrase. And if you look at the bottom of every hymn book, at the very bottom, it will tell you the meter. Like here, hymn number 428, it'll say to the tune of Rhonda, 878787 which means that's how many syllables in each line for the verses. And you can put different tunes to songs that match the meter. For instance, Amazing Grace can be sung to the tune of Gilligan's Island. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now is found, was blind, but now I see, was blind, but now I see. Why? Because the meter matches. And so this song, this song which was written by this radical Christian, James Montgomery, uh, was put together to two different tunes, to one tune in England and another tune here. Kim, my guess is, will do the American tune. I'm not sure because I haven't heard her practice it yet, but we'll probably do the American tune. The English tune is also familiar to you because it has the Gloria in it. And the American tune doesn't. Ours says, so come let us adore him instead. And so it depends on how the meter is put together. And this is really important because when I was first a pastor, we had what we called the lectionary. And every Sunday had three Bible passages all picked out for you. And this was going to be the, that way till Jesus comes back. And that's, you have no choice. That's what you preach on. And you had to pick songs that matched that. And usually they were really boring German songs. But if we looked at the meter, we could find a fun tune to put, put it to, which we often did. And it really made it work a lot better. So this is one of those songs that does that. He died, and on his gravestone in Sheffield, it says, Here lies a great Christian poet, patriot, and philanthropist. Angels from the realms of glory. Kim is going to lead us. And my guess is she's going to do the American version. I will be listening just to make sure. Let's go ahead and stand. I'm doing the version that YouTube reminded me yesterday because it's been a long time since I've sung this song. Angels from the realms of glory Bring your flight over all the earth 
Sing creation story Now proclaim Messiah's birth Come and worship Come and worship Worship Christ the newborn King Shepherds in the field abiding, watching o'er your flocks by night. God with us now residing, yonder shines in the infant light. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn. All creation join in praising God the Father, Spirit, Son. Evermore your voice is raising to the eternal Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn All right, go ahead and have a seat. Our last one is Joy to the World. And this is not the Three Dog Night version, in case you wondered. I have a, I'm at the age where I repeat all my jokes and uh, drives my wife crazy. But uh, every time somebody posts on Facebook, if you get a friend request from so-and-so, don't answer it. It's a scam. You'll die, that kind of thing. I always write back. If you get a friend request from Jeremiah, say yes. He's a bullfrog. He's a good friend of mine. I always just put that in there. It just I just can't resist doing that. It just 1719. Isaac Watts writes the song Joy to the World. Once again, wrote the words, not the tune. Took it from Psalm 98, Psalm 96, and Genesis 3, 17 through 18, which has God cursing Adam and Eve after what they'd done. That's kind of a weird thing to pick something out of. And he's writing in the 1700s, which was the age of reason. And he writes a song, if you pay close attention, about spiritual warfare, far as the curse is found. (coughs) So Jesus comes to remove the curse. And this this was like swimming uphill during the age of reason because this was the century where you don't talk about demons and you don't talk about superstition and all that stuff. And uh, everyone's talking about reason and science. And he says, you know, this, this whole curse thing and Jesus curing the curse. That's what this song is about. And to this day, strict reformed Christians won't sing this song because they think it's way too much spiritual warfare to be singing about in church. So it's, it's real interesting. And uh, Lowell Mason, in 1848, took the tune Antioch from Handel's Messiah. And he took parts of Handel's Messiah and put them together into a tune called Antioch, which is joy to the world. And uh, kind of cobbled it together. And it was beautifully, beautifully done. Now, here's the coolest thing about the song, too. It's not only about spiritual warfare. 
and Jesus removing the curse of sin. It's also about gender. And what I mean by that, it's, it's about the fact that every language except English that I know of has gender. Doesn't that drive you nuts when you learn a different language? There's like 12 ways to say the in German, depending on what gender and how it's used. And so it's really complicated. Spanish is that way. French is that way. German's that way. Hebrew's that way. Greek is that way. And in virtually every language, earth is feminine and heavens are masculine. That's why we say Father, God. Father, you know, we say he for Holy Spirit. And you don't talk about Father Nature. You talk about Mother Nature. And that comes through with our language a little bit, but we got rid of most of the genders in our language centuries ago because English is a collision between German and French. And when those two languages came together to form English, it just ground the gears. And in order to make it work, they got rid of all the genders. And that's why we just say the in front of a word rather than having male or female. If I were to say to that chair, Wendy, bring me that chair, I would say bring him to me in German, der Schule. I wouldn't say bring it to me because that's a he, because it's a chair. Chairs are always he in German. That's the way that works. And I know it sounds weird, but female dogs in Germany are him because dogs are masculine, whether they're female or male. It's just it's, you say him about the dog and you say she about the cat. That's just the way it is. And so what he does is he captures, Isaac Watts captures the gender of the Bible and does it beautifully. Joy to the world. The world is masculine or feminine. Feminine. Joy to the world. The Lord, is it a Lord or a lady? The Lord is masculine, has come. Let earth is what? Feminine. Receive her. King, masculine. Let every heart prepare him room. Let heaven, masculine, and nature, feminine, sing. And heaven and nature sing, which is just beautifully, is cosmically beautiful. And he brings out the, the, the gender beauty in the Bible into English. He sort of sneaks it in because English doesn't have gender. But you get it anyways. And some people keep trying to get rid of it. I mean, some of the more modern versions are joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive its king. No, it's her king because that's what Isaac Watts was trying to do, to show you this beautiful thing of Christ and the church, God and creation the Holy Spirit and Mary, that whole sort of cosmic love thing going on. And it's just <coughs> to put spiritual warfare and that whole cosmic biblical God loving his creation thing is just way cool. So let's, uh, let's sing that together. It's a triumphant, bright song about the future that God's going to take care of things and make stuff happen. So uh, let's stand and sing that. And after that... Uh, we're going to just move into a time of whatever Tamara's got for us. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. In heaven and nature sing. In heaven and nature sing. In heaven and heaven and nature sing. 
Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs imply. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness, and wonders of His love, and wonders of His love, and wonders, wonders of His love. That version we skipped the curse part far as the curse is found anyways we go have a seat see that was probably a reformed person who put that that uh, thing together and left out the curse part because that's too much spiritual warfare anyways the reason I'm doing this folks is so that we would uh, we would appreciate the songs and the more we appreciate the songs the more we understand what's going on the more they mean to us, and the more they can lift our spirits during these darkest days as we move into the next year. And I'm just hoping as you go through Walmart or wherever you are, Costco or whatever, you hear the songs up there, you'll have a little bit better sense for what's out there, what's happening, and what brought this stuff about. So let's pray. Lord, uh, we give you thanks for the people who wrote these songs, who put these together, for Isaac Watts and, and Lowell Mason, for James Montgomery, and the tunes they picked out. Give you thanks, Lord, for Felix Mendelssohn, John, John Wesley, George Whitfield, and the people who put these things together that we still have dancing in our heads. We give you thanks for the season of hope. Lord, the days continue to get darker for another few days, but then summer's on the way. As the days get brighter, Lord, and the days get longer, I pray that our hope would increase and that we would take this next year by faith and just choose to thrive in this next year. No matter what happens in the news, no matter what happens around us, nevertheless, kind of faith, Lord. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, House. That was interesting. Did you guys learn new stuff? I know I did. And I've sang these Christmas carols forever. I was in choirs and I was in the praise teams and I didn't know most of these things. It was pretty cool. Um, I think singing is probably, for me, one of the ways that I communicate with God the most. Um, I've made up songs forever. None of them you would ever know because once I sing them, they're done and that's it. Um, there's only one that um, I actually wrote down. And no, you will not hear it. And it was a lullaby. Um, and I wrote it. Well, actually, God gave me the words. Um, Everett, I watched Everett. You guys all know our little miracle boy, Everett. And um, he had bad colic <laughs> when he was little. And he would just cry and cry and cry. And I would sing to him, and it was the only thing that would kind of calm him down. And um, I started just, God just started giving me words to sing over him. 
and I didn't know why at the time. And then, um, shoot. And then his daddy died. And I remember that day holding him and telling him it was going to be okay and singing that song over him, the lullaby over him. And God gave me, had given me those words ahead of time so that I, they would be living inside of me and living inside of Everett. And um, every once in a while, he'll say, Auntie, sing me Everett's song. And he'll start singing with me. He's, he's, I've been doing this since he was two months old, and he's five and a half now. And um, it became a comfort for me to be able to sing over him as well. And to just to pray to the Lord when I didn't have words to, to say when I was holding him and putting him to sleep. And so I would just sing over him. And God had given me these words. And um, it's really a blessing for him and to letting him know that God is always near. And because um, one of the things is that God is always holding his hand. Of course, when he turned about four, he goes, no, he's not. I said, I know. And I had to explain to him and he would still say, no, he's not. And I go, yes, he is. I go, it's, he's, you have to pretend. And now he's understanding more as he gets older. But it was kind of funny when he first started talking back at me. No, he's not. Why do you say that? <laughs> but um, singing, that's why we sing songs at worship. It's really to set our hearts and our minds. It's why we sing at Christmas time, Christmas time to set our hearts and minds on, not on all the stuff that's happening here, but to lift our voices and our minds and our spirits heavenward. And so um, I encourage you guys to really start singing. Start singing. And you don't have to sing loud. You don't have to sing well. Um, and House, you have a a decent, a pretty good voice compared to some people I know. Um, I have, I have a pastor friend, um, Pastor Chris, and um, someone told him not to sing. He sounded like a frog, and it really scarred him for a while until he started really um, seeing that it, the the word says sing a joyful noise. So now he just sings out, and if he's behind you, it's like, whoa, it's really loud. But I love it because he sings with joy. And he sings for the Lord. He doesn't sing for any of us. He sings for the Lord. And so whether you have a good voice or not, just sing. Just sing. And uh, the Lord will bless you for it. So that's it for my little thing. Um, we want to get to know you. So you guys here, it's really nice now to be able to look at you guys rather than look at inside there. Because I didn't see any of your faces when I talked to you. So it's really nice. <laughs> um, so we want to get to know you. Um, put in your connection cards, especially your prayer requests. I know there's prayer requests out there, so put them in. doesn't matter how big, how little. God wants to know about them, and we want to be able to pray for you. So please do that. Um, and for you, those of you online, please visit our prayer wall on Facebook. Or you can send me prayer requests. I usually put them out sometime Monday, Tuesday morning. This week I was a little late because I thought I sent them out and I forgot. Um, but get them to me at Tamara underscore Dorica D, uh, at yahoo.com and, uh, we'll get those, um, to our prayer team. And I don't know if my Linda, I don't know if I'm being able to, um, do these, 
the announcements properly. So our prayers for December. Yeah, because I keep getting slide change error. Our prayers for December. Um, it's really just about sensing God's love and his presence, praying that Jesus is front and center of all of our celebrations, praying for our relationships to be renewed and strengthened, which is so important now and so difficult because we're being asked not to gather. Um, I think I told you guys last week, you know, when my father, family gathers, there's a bunch of households and there's they're all close. I mean, they're my brothers and sisters and their kids and their wives and their kids. And so there's like 27, 26, 27 of us. And we're not going to do that this year. There's going to be a smaller gathering because I have um, some that are working in the school system and they're being exposed to a lot of stuff when we don't want my mom, who's going to be 91 on Christmas Day, to get it. We don't want the little ones or anybody else to get it. So we're doing it differently this year. and But we're still trying to renew and strengthen our relationships as well. So I know it's difficult here in California or wherever you are, but reach out to people, talk to them on the phone. A friend of mine called me and I said, Oh, it's so nice to hear your voice. We'd been texting, but we hadn't talked to each other. So instead of texting the next time, pick up the phone and call them um, and talk to them. so you can hear their voice. Um, pray for hearts to be open to hear God's message of love. That's what Christmas is about. And this is a perfect time to, um, Speak to them, speak to your family, speak to your friends about who God is and how he loves them. Um, Also pray for our president, President Trump, Governor Newsom, all those making decisions on our behalf. And then always pray for the protection of our pastors. That's Kim House and I and um, of the well, because we need it. We get, can't tell you this week was a weird week for me. I felt like I was getting spiritually attacked. So I know it was the prayers of our faith family that kept me going. So please pray. Um, Join us for our daily Bible reading. We've got, um, you know, every day something to read. And then House does a small teaching on it. But again, read it first and then uh, watch House's teaching. You're going to get a lot more out of it. And I'm kind of excited for next year because we're doing something a little different for our Bible reading. And I'm really going out on a limb to um, share this with you because I kind of wrote a devotional. I'm doing a devotional type thing. So um, I was talking with Judy, um, who does all of our printing and stuff. And I said, this is way out of my comfort zone. I don't share stuff like this. I don't like sharing stuff like this because what if they don't like it? And she goes, don't worry about it. God's got this. Okay. So um, we're going to do monthly. We'll get it to you monthly because it's a little bit larger than we thought. But so every month you'll get a new teaching. And teacher trainings. What are we doing for teacher trainings this week? Oh, he's going to turn his mic on. So tonight what we're doing is we're looking at intentionality for next year. What are setting intentionality for our goals for okay. next year, for our own ministries. And we're taking two weeks off. Okay. Uh, the same thing with uh, the men's breakfast. Uh, tomorrow we have men's meeting, and then we're going to take two weeks off. Okay. So um, teacher training tonight is setting intentionalities for 2021. And then for the next two weeks, we will be off. And then the men's, um, for all of you that men that join our Monday morning men's Bible study, um, tomorrow you will meet and then you'll have the next two weeks off. So the, the Monday after Christmas and the Monday after New Year's. So you'll have those two weeks off. So join tonight, 4 p.m. If you need the um, Zoom link, contact house at hbhouse at gmail.com. 
that's what it is. And then join us for Christmas Eve. Um, we're going to have a candlelight service. It's going to be really, I think it's going to be really cool. We are going to do it outside. And yes, will it be cold? Probably so, because we've had some really cool nights. But we're going to be putting up uh, on Christmas Eve morning a big tent right here. Um, the sides, the long sides will be open. The end caps will be closed so the breeze won't hit us. And then we've got our um, table heaters working. Yay. Because the men read the instructions. Yay for men. Um, so please join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be really pretty because it's going to be lit up with Christmas lights. And um, it's about finding hope in turbulent times. And we've been having a kind of a turbulent 2020, right? And so... Um, who is our hope? Where where is, are we finding our hope? It's got to be in Jesus, right? So please join us. We're going to have two services at 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. 5 p.m. we will have child care for you available. So Amy will be here and she'll have some helpers to keep your children indoors. They will be indoors in our fellowship hall and have some activities to do. And she said she'd bring snacks. And so we will take care of your kids at 5 p.m. And then at 7 p.m., we will all be together outside as well. So please join us. And then we have, um, today is our, we're going to do our ugly sweater thing in just a minute. Go to the shirts that we buy. We keep switching. There we go. Let your light shine. So go to our website. We have the well shirts to purchase and they're 20 bucks. And all the money comes to us, right? All the money comes to us so that we can continue to move forward in our ministry. And so you go to our website. Um, there's a link there. And when you hit the link, this is important. Look for let your light shine and you'll find our shirts. If you put in the well, I don't think it comes up, but you have to put in let your light shine. And then you can get one of our shirts and it would be fun to, if all of us got one. So buy yourself a Christmas present, people. Go get a shirt. And then for tithes and offerings, um, you guys getting to the end of the year, you have till the 31st to get in your tithes and offerings for end of the year giving. And um, we are just so thankful because we are looking at our finances, how she said it's going to be one of the best years ever our ending year. And so that's because all of you have been so faithful to this church. I almost said little church, this church. And we, it blow, has blown our minds really because there's our, there are larger churches that are struggling right now and may not open again because they are struggling. And you guys have been so faithful to us and we just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So send in your checks. Um, for those of you that are here, you've got envelopes. You can put them in the connection box along with your connection cards and prayer requests. Um, send the checks to the well at Surf City, 2721 Delaware Street in Huntington Beach, 92648. You can go online to our website, Dive Deep Together, PayPal, um, text giving, our Patreon stuff. Um, for all that, go to tinyurl.com slash Malachi310giving. And um, you can find all the ways and all the addresses you need there. So um, we had an ugly Christmas sweater contest today, and our clear winner is Matt. So Matt, turn your lights on and come over here. I want you to stand in front of me so that the camera can catch you all lit up. And I love his shirt. It's so funny. It's hanging down there. There we go. It's It lights up. Um, and so... Just stand right, kind of right in front of me. There we go. Can you see him, Kim? Hold on a second. We're adjusting so everyone can see the beautifulness of the shirt. 
He said if he doesn't do ugly sweaters, but if there's a contest, he comes to win. He did. So um, congratulations, Matt. You get a Starbucks card. So thank you for dressing up for us. And I think that's it. Um, Oh, Jen's concert. Jen is going to be hosting a concert here, right, on the 23rd. What time, Jen? 5 to 6 p.m. It's going to be right here on campus, so 2721 Delaware Street. And um, they're going to be right here on the courtyard, right? Yes, we're going to be right here on the courtyard, and we're going to be singing Christmas carols and having some fun. Yes. Oh. Okay. Okay, perfect. So um, Jen's group, the Mistletones, are going to be doing some performances. They're going to do some group singing. And then Pastor Amy from the Methodist Church here, um, Surf City Methodist Church, is going to be giving a short word because they are sponsoring this. And so we hope you all can come out to that. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, And bring some sweaters and blankets because it will be chilly. And are you guys providing chairs or just... You need to bring lawn chairs. So it's a BYOC. Bring your own chair. So bring your own chair. Bring some blankets and stuff and some hot cocoa, hot tea, and come enjoy a little Christmas concert. So I think that's it for now. We will see you guys on Christmas Eve, either 5 o'clock or 7 o'clock. And have a blessed week. And we'll see you then. Bye.